0: Amen. If you will, have a seat. And while you're having a seat, can you just thank Spencer and the band tonight for leading us in that awesome worship? Guys, we love you. We are so thankful for you. I tell you, um, I'm a huge fan of Spencer, Um, like probably his number third fan. I like to joke, you know, it's Amanda, his mom, and then there's me. I love Spencer, and um, I love his heart for ministry. I love Josh, like I love Josh's heart for ministry love Madison. Y'all, Madison's heart for ministry is bigger than this room. Like, it's just huge. Um, I have probably one of the biggest honors of my life is to um, be on this team that I'm on for this ministry. Like, to be with Spencer and Josh and Madison and get to see what God is doing and, like, bubbling up right now in our ministry is so exciting. And one of probably, like... I think when I look back years from now, I really do think when I look back at some of my greatest times in ministry, I'm going to look at right now, um, within the life of our church, right? Like so many cool, huge, awesome things are happening at Christ Place Church. And then also within our ministry right now, um, I heard last week was amazing. Who was at our service last week? Yeah, was it so good? I was at home in the bed with strep. I was not coming to infect all of you, <laughs> um, but so I was praying. But I so hated not being there. But I heard it was amazing, and I know that one of the biggest reasons it was amazing was because of you guys. You know, Josh and and I, we really want this ministry to be your ministry. It's not our ministry. This is our ministry, and this is your ministry, and. Um, I feel like last week was such a success because we had you guys there, and you invited people. I think we had, I don't know, like 13 first-time guests last week, right? I mean, that's awesome. I mean, right? Like, that's incredible. So cool. So thank you. Thank you for inviting people. Um, Thank you for what you're doing to invest in this community. Y'all, I'm not kidding when I say God is up to something. And um, it's exciting. And uh, I really, as, as Josh asked me to speak tonight, he's taken the night off, which is great for him. And he's getting some rest. And um, he asked me a while ago to speak tonight. And as I've been praying, um, this one thing came to my mind that I feel like we really need to um, look at God's word about tonight. And specifically that is, I feel like with what's going on in our ministry, we need to be heavily aware of the enemy. And what he is wanting to do as the Lord is working so faithfully and like starting to bubble up so much on UNG's campus. I feel like we need to be aware of the enemy. So um, pull your Bibles out. We're going to take some notes. I've provided you with an outline um, so you can take good notes. And um, I think it's going to be a good night. Let's pray and go before the Lord and then we're going to open up God's word together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to uh, open your word together. Lord, I pray that you would um, empty myself. And Lord, I pray that you would be so evident tonight in every heart, and every life that came. Lord, I know no one came by accident. You brought them here tonight for a purpose. So Lord, I pray that you would increase and I pray I would decrease, that we all would have open and receptive hearts. Lord, that you would challenge, convict us, stretch us today, and that we would leave differently. And Lord, we just pray that your word would do what it does best, and that is change our life. Lord, we pray these things in your holy name. Amen. So when we talk about the enemy, one of the biggest things we like um, to talk about is how, like, at the very beginning of time, right, Like, that's where we normally like to start when we talk about Satan because that's where we first see him. And we see him in the form of a? Yeah, exactly. Good. Um, And we see him in the form of a snake. And what do we know about the enemy in Genesis, like at the beginning of Genesis? We see that he's a snake and he's super deceiving, right? He's super cunning. And there's a verse I want you to write down. I've got it on the screens. It's from 1 Peter. Um, It's 1 Peter 5.8, it says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Okay, if we were to live our lives uh, according to this verse, I think we would be a lot more aware of him and what he's doing behind the scenes. Because this is like, just imagine, you know, getting up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, and you don't know if a lion's going to jump out at the, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just imagining in my room at night in the dark and, like, going to the bathroom but scared to death because a lion might pounce at me. I don't know where that came from. But if we lived our lives in a way that watched out for the enemy, man, we would live our lives totally different. And so tonight I want us to look at, A particular passage of scripture where we see the enemy interacting with Jesus. And that's in Matthew chapter 4. So if you will, take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we are going to look at when Jesus was tempted. Okay, so I want us to read this together. When you're there in your Bible, say, I'm there. Already? Wow, Matthew's an easy book to find. It's right slap dab in the middle of the Bible. Alright, we there? Let's read Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and he became very hungry. During that time the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Aren't you glad I didn't do a Satan voice there? (laughs) I thought about it. but Then Jesus said, get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away. And angels came and took care of Jesus. Okay, this is such an incredible passage, and I want to kind of give you a bit of a context of what's happened in the book of Matthew up to this point. Um, Jesus was born in the beginning of Matthew, <laughs> and we see that 30 years of his, his life has passed by for the right time for him to start ministering. Like, he has been growing up Um, The the Bible says that he learned all about scriptures, like he was a very well-studied man. Now, Jesus was a man, right? So that's important for this message tonight, that we understand Jesus was 100% God and 100% human at the same time. How does that work? I don't know, but he is. Do you believe that? Yeah. The Bible says he's 100% God and 100% man. So here he was born he grew up understanding God's word and scriptures, the Old Testament. And then what we see is he decided to go public. It was his time to say, hey, here I am. I'm going to preach. I'm going to teach. I'm going to minister to people. And I'm ultimately going to die for you. Like, my purpose is for you, okay? So he's starting that ministry. So he's, been, he's about 30 years old. He then gets baptized. You can see if you're looking back in Matthew. Um, He gets baptized. It says the Spirit came on him. And then if you notice, um, in verse 1 of Matthew 4, it said what? The Spirit did what? Led him, right? The Spirit led him into the wilderness. So he was being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit led him into the wilderness to do what? Fast, right? Are you all following me? You tracking with me? Okay, good. He fasted for 40 days. Like, can you even imagine, y'all, I'm doing this whole 30 thing right now, and I feel like I'm fasting and I'm eating all the time. I'm just eating, like, fruits and vegetables, and it's killing me. (laughs) But anyway, I can't imagine. Like, we get hungry after one meal, right? And here Jesus, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, seeking his Father, God. He's seeking God for 40 days and 40 nights. Fasting is what you do when when you, like, remove food. Or anything else, really, like take away something from your life so you can focus on the Lord and focus on God. And that's what Jesus had been doing, okay? So he was weak because he was 100% human, and he was vulnerable. And let me tell you, the enemy loves to attack when we are vulnerable. I mean, if you don't know that, just wait till you're vulnerable, and you will see him coming at you. Like, Jesus is tired, he's hungry, and here comes the enemy, Okay? Now, one thing I want you to see is God's at work. Like, God's beginning and bubbling some stuff up in Jesus. So, I mean, obviously. But, like, here he is starting his ministry. He was just baptized. He's got the Spirit in him. The Spirit's leading him into the wilderness. He's seeking God for 40 days. And then what happens? The enemy attacks. And that is what will happen to our ministry. I know it. It already is happening. Like we have experienced some spiritual warfare. We have experienced the enemy coming after us. Cause y'all, he don't like what we're doing here. Because what we're doing is to honor and glorify and bring fame to Jesus. Right? And so I just want us to to before we move any further, the whole point of this message tonight is hey, we need to be on guard. We need to watch out. Cause if we're really serious about this thing about following Jesus about winning this campus to Christ, about blowing up this place on Tuesday nights. I mean, having to put out more chairs here and more chairs here. If we're serious about inviting people to this place to hear the gospel of Jesus and have life change, then we better hold on because the enemy's coming, okay? So let's look at three ways that the enemy tempted Jesus that he tempts us all the time with, okay? So, on your notes, um, I've got three blanks for you that we're gonna go through. The first one um, is physical temptation, okay? Look at verse three. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. I'm gonna sit down. And he's like, Hey, listen, you're hungry, right? You've been fasting for a long time, you're a human, and you're hungry. Okay, just turn these stones to bread. Like, come on, you know? So here's what Satan said to Jesus. Write this down in your little blank if you're a note taker. He says, no, that's Satan to us. What did Satan say to Jesus? Make some bread, dude. Come on. Like, you can do that, right? Like, hey, you're Jesus. You can do whatever you want. Right? Like, if you're God, you made manna fall from heaven. Like, so you can make a stone into a bread. And we even know later on that Jesus turned all the fish and the loaves. You know, what did he? He expanded and multiplied that to feed how many? 5,000. So if he can do that, he can turn a little stone into bread to satisfy his hunger. Um, Satan was trying to get Jesus to think that he could not trust God's provision for him. And he was trying to get Jesus to take matters into his own hands. Does that sound familiar? Like the enemy wanted him to satisfy a craving that he had right there and right then. Jesus could have easily done it, but he was faithful to trust God. And here's what I want you to see in your life. This is what the enemy tells us. Do what feels right. Okay, so we have physical temptations every single day, like every single day. If you don't, I, don't, I need to know your trick. Like, why don't you, <laughs> you know? Because, listen, the enemy knows that that can be a vulnerable, pl- a vulnerable place for all of us. Okay, so here's what he says. If you're hungry, eat. It's what, basically what he told to Jesus. If you're thirsty, drink. If you've got an itch, what do you do? You scratch it. You know, like, although you can think of a million ways to say this, but, like, if you have something inside of you that says, I want that, then go for it. That's what the enemy wants us to think. And so as I was processing through this, I was thinking, you know, a lot of the times this do-what-feels-right temptation normally leads to, like, secret sins. Okay? So, like, sexual sin is normally do-what-feels-right sin. Right, it comes from, it stems from a do what feels right temptation. Like, think about all the different sexual sins you may have struggled with in the past. Like, they they really do stem from this temptation of just do what feels right. It feels good, so do it. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. Another thing is like um, laziness, which we all struggle with, right? like binge-watching on Netflix for hours on end, like watching an entire season of whatever it is you like to watch, and it can be as innocent as, I don't know, Phineas and Ferb all the way to Games of Thrones or Thrones of Games or whatever that (laughs) TV's called. What's it called? Yeah, whatever it's called. It can be innocent or it can all, you know, I don't even know what that's about, but Like, it can be from that spectrum, but it doesn't matter. We're, like, being slothful and lazy, and we're wasting our lives and doing nothing for the Lord, nothing useful and purposeful. And, hey, listen, I don't feel like doing anything, so I'm not going to do it today. That's what the enemy wants you to do. That's what he wants you to think. Um, Another one is, like, looking at whatever you want to look at on, I was thinking specifically online or on apps. But for me, just to be honest, it can be Snapchat. Like, I know this is stupid, but I am so thankful for the new update on Snapchat. Do we have any Snapchatters in here? Because you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay, like five of you. Y'all hide in a rock or something? That's weird. Surely more of you. You just didn't raise your hand. Um, Okay, but you know the new update? Like, the stories are on the main page now. It used to be where you had to swipe to see everybody's stories. Well, I hated that because I was so dang tempted to look at all the, the nasty stuff underneath it, you know, all the, like, pop culture, you know, news articles and, like, what do you call it? The Discover part, yeah, and it's like, oh, simple and, and like, innocent as Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez went to his dad's wedding, right? Anybody see that? And it's like, oh, yeah, I want to see pictures of them. I don't know why I want to waste my time doing that, but I do. And, oh, maybe they're, like, kissing in a picture. Let's see. And you look through. And the next thing you know, that turns into something else. And that turns into something else. And then you're like, whoa, what is (laughs) What did I just see? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, well, anyway, I'm just glad the new update because now it's all on the same page. And I don't ever have to swipe over. I could just stay on the, you know, that's great. Anyway. Physical temptations are real, you guys. Like, they are something that are tangible. They're right in front of us. And when we have this longing inside of us that we want to fulfill or have filled, we have a tendency, thanks to the enemy, to sin because we jump into it and say, well, it feels good, so I'm going to do it. We have to be aware of this. Jesus was perfect, you guys. This is the crazy thing about this whole story to me is that Jesus was absolutely perfect. Um, He was 100% human, 100% God, and God cannot sin. And so that's why he was absolutely perfect. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every possible way that we, we are. And so he can sympathize with us in our weakness and in our temptations, which is crazy. But the difference is... We are imperfect, and we not always choose sin, but we always do sin, right? Sin is just a part of our nature, which is why we need Jesus, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. But listen, like, Jesus answered so beautifully. He answered with Scripture, and, um, and he didn't give in. He didn't, like, as hungry as he was, just imagine, as hungry as he was after 40 days of fasting, He didn't give in and say, okay, that's a good idea. You know, I am hungry. Bam, I'm going to make that stone into bread. He didn't do it. But watch out, guys. The enemy wants you to. The enemy wants you to turn your stone into bread. Whatever your stone is, he's wanting to turn into bread, and we need to watch out for that temptation. Okay? Let's look at number two. Number two temptation is emotional temptation. Okay? Look at bursts. 6, if you are the son of God, what does he say? Jump off, right? He says, for the scriptures say he, God, will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Um, So here Satan takes Jesus to the highest point in this place, which A lot of people believe was Herod's temple, okay? And the highest point of his temple, let me tell you, was 450 feet high, which I did a little math on the Google, and it said that that's about 34 stories high, okay? So just imagine a building that's 34 stories high, and the enemy is telling Jesus, just jump off, like, see if God will catch you. I mean, the Bible even says that he'll send his angels to, like, make sure you're okay, I mean, to think about how weird this is. This is like if I were to say, I'm going to put on a blindfold and I'm going to walk out blindly, obviously, because I have a blindfold. I'm going to walk out on 985 and just trust that God's going to protect me. Like, how stupid would that be, right? Like, we wouldn't do that. That's dumb. And But, I mean, the enemy... Basically, was pulling at Jesus' heartstrings, which is what he does for us emotionally, and he tempts us with our emotions. Here's what the enemy wanted Jesus to think. He really, oh, did we put that? Oh, yeah, good. He, Satan said to Jesus, jump off. Just jump off. He wanted him to question God's love for him. He wanted, he wanted Jesus to question, will God really jump off? Satan's so good at asking us questions, isn't he? Remember in the garden, he said, did God really say to, eat the, to not eat of that fruit, you know? And here he's basically saying, is God really going to catch you? Is God really going to protect you? And we have to look at Jesus' response because it's so good. What does Jesus say? Look at the Bible and tell me. Verse 7. yeah don't don't test God right Jesus knew Jesus knew hey listen I trust my God loves me and you want to know something super cool when Jesus after Jesus was baptized you know what God told him I love you and I'm pleased with you so he had just heard a couple of chapters before God's love for him And he had been affirmed in that. He had been affirmed that God was pleased with him. And so he was, I mean, he was like solidified in it. And he's like, listen, I don't have to test God. I know God loves me. Okay? So here's what the enemy can say to you. You ready? Write this down. He can tell you to question God's love. All right? In the middle of hard times, in the middle of difficult circumstances, Um, sometimes in the midst of rejection, it is so easy for the enemy to throw in our face this right here, and he wants us to question God's love for us. It's emotional. It pulls at our heartstrings. It is temptation that comes from this thing inside that beats our heart. You know, like the enemy knows that's where we're vulnerable, and he knows that we have a desire to be loved and to love to be accepted and to please. But here's the thing. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus, okay, if you have placed your whole entire faith, everything inside of you to Jesus and said it's yours, I want a relationship with you, I no longer want me, I want you, and you are walking with him, you are his. He loves you. He cherishes you. He has a plan for you, a purpose for you, and he does not want you to doubt that. And the enemy will do whatever it takes for you to doubt that. When it comes to that campus over there, you guys, the enemy wants you to doubt that you can make any impact. I bet there are so many in this room, including me, that have gone on that campus and said, there's no way we can reach these people. They're, like, too far gone. You know, nobody will look at you in the eye, much less, like, they won't even listen to me. Who am I? You know, like... I'm like this 30-something year old on campus. And everybody's like, what are you doing here? You know? (laughs) Like there's so much doubt that we have on that campus. There's so much doubt that we have even in like relationships. There's so much doubt in our struggles when we're suffering, when we're going through a hard time. Man, the enemy loves to poke us right there and say, You're not loved. You don't have a purpose. You don't have a plan. And that is a lie. That is a lie from the enemy. Hey, did y'all catch that? The enemy used scripture here. Did y'all catch that? The enemy used scripture talking to Jesus. And so beware. The enemy is crafty. He's cunning. Like he loves to dress up and look beautiful when really he's ugly and not and scary And so he can even use things and twist them, like good things like Scripture, and twist them for his advantage to get you to rationalize your decisions, to get you to, um, you know, maybe manipulate the situations. Be careful. Be aware of the enemy, especially when it comes to the heart and our emotions. Emotional temptations are real. All right? God loves you. Um, all right, y'all ready to go to the third one? Yeah? All right, number three is control temptation. Okay, this is a temptation that we all struggle with to control things. Okay. Look at verse nine at what Satan said to Jesus. If you kneel down and worship me, I will give you all of this. Okay, so he takes them to the highest mountain. And just imagine a clear, beautiful day, like let's say we went hiking somewhere and you could see all around you, right? And you could see all these cities, you could see homes, you could see people. And he goes to the top of this city, I mean top of this mountain, and he's like, listen, Jesus, all you got to do is just bow down to me. Right here, right now, I won't take but two seconds, just, you know, maybe may even take a half a second, just boop, boop, bow down to me. And I'll give you all this. This one to me is like a no-brainer. Like, duh, Jesus, not, just Jesus isn't going to do this. But how often do we do this, you guys? Okay, I want you to see that Satan was offering Jesus a shortcut. He was offering him temporary pleasure to have rule over these kingdoms earthly. okay. But Jesus had a bigger, eternal mindset, and he knew he didn't need a shortcut. He knew what was coming in front of him, okay? He knew that he was going to have to do some hard stuff, that he was going to be persecuted, that eventually he would even hang on a cross, right, to fulfill God's purpose to have these kingdoms, okay? So Jesus knew, like, man, I could, I could take this shortcut and get these kingdoms like, worldly, earthly, but I need to wait for God's purpose and God's timing, and I will have these kingdoms spiritually. Like, God has all over, I mean, he's, like, has complete victory over all the kingdoms of all the world now. Like, how crazy is that? But the enemy was tempting him and trying to get him to, like, say, okay, yeah, I'll bow down to you so I can temporarily have the kingdoms of this world right here and what I see. Praise God Jesus didn't bow down to the enemy, right? Jesus would never bow down to the enemy. One day the enemy is going to bow down to Jesus, (laughs) right? I mean, like, I just think it was a lot easier for Jesus, obviously, because he's God and he's perfect. It was so much easier for him to say no to this than what it is for us. Because here's what the enemy says to us. I want you to take over your own life. Okay, I want you to sacrifice whatever it takes to get what you want and to have control. All right, so what are you willing to give up, you know, what are you willing to give up to have control over your life? Control is a big thing for us, you guys. Um, A lot of us desire control in relationships. Girls, we are bad about manipulation because we want a certain thing, and so we'll manipulate to get it, you know, and we'll sacrifice whatever it takes to get it. Um, I I mean, even in, like, pain and suffering with self-harm, you know, like, that's one way that we can have control is by hurting ourselves just so we can have a control for a moment. In the midst of the chaos, we just want a peaceful moment, and so some people hurt themselves to have control, you know. That's a temptation from the enemy that people are giving into. to. Um, what about, like, you're in class and you cheat? Or let's say it's even an online class and you're at home and it's done by, like, honor system. Anybody ever done that where, like, you have a class and it's honor system and so they're like, don't use your books, don't use notes, and you cheat because you're willing to take whatever shortcut to get a good grade on that test? Um, I was even thinking, like, for some of us adults who have to do taxes, which I have to do soon. Um, I mean, we can't cheat on our taxes because the IRS will find out. And I know that not because I've cheated on taxes before, <laughs> but because I've made a mistake on them and then literally cried for weeks because I had to pay a huge amount of money because I made a stupid little mistake on my taxes. They find out, so you don't ever cheat. Um, hey, listen, the enemy loves for us to think that we can make shortcuts in life. He tempts us with this all the time so that we can have control of what we want to have control over. When in actuality, what Jesus did and what we need to do is let the Lord have control. Trust his plans. Trust his purpose. Trust that you may have to go through some hard stuff. Life may not be easy if you don't take the shortcut. But, man, you got to trust God's plan For your life. Don't let the enemy tempt you with shortcuts. Okay? So, I have an example of this. I was actually um, studying for this on Sunday when this song was playing in the background. It was from The Little Mermaid. Just think about Ariel. I mean, (laughs) look at what she gave up to have legs. I mean, she gave up her voice. And what made me think of this was the song was, what would I give? Da-na-na-na, na, 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 na I don't know the words. <laughs> I just know that part. What would I give? You know, it's like, I'd give my voice so I can have legs. And she sure enough did. And do you know that in the actual book, I just found this out on Sunday, she died. She literally gave her life so that she could have legs, and then she ended up dying. Well, yeah, because she gave her life. But anyway. That's a good example, right? Like, some of us are willing to do stupid stuff because the enemy tempts us with it for an outcome. That if we were to just trust God's plan, trust his purposes for us, and give our life to him, you see, here's what Jesus did Jesus was willing to die on the cross for you and me. And how ugly was that? Like, he literally died. Like he was tortured and died so that we no longer would have to live a life of sin and that we could one day have ultimate victory over that sin and have life eternal in heaven with him. I mean, Jesus could have not done that, you know? Like he could have taken shortcuts, but he didn't give in. He didn't give in to the enemy and he said, I will live my life and I'm going to trust God's plan no matter what. And are you willing to say that? I'm going to trust God's plan, not take shortcuts, not give into the temptation of control, and watch God do some incredible things. Okay, I want to show you all right, we've had three temptations, right? I want to show you what happens next. But what are the three temptations? One, physical temptation. Good two. Emotional temptation. Three. Control, all right, let's just be real and honest. Can we just be real and honest in here tonight? Can we be a little vulnerable? All right, how many of you struggle more with one, two, or three? Okay, one physical, two emotional, three control. Let's just be honest with each other, and you can look around, because I want us to see we're not alone in this. Like, the enemy tempts us all in these areas, okay? And you can raise your hand for all three if you want. All right, so who struggles with, number one, physical temptations the most? Yeah, look around. I want you to see, like, this is a real thing, okay? Good, who struggles with emotional temptations the most? Yeah, me too. All right, number three, who struggles with control the most? Yeah, <laughs> me too. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so we're not alone, so what do we do about it, you guys? Like, what is the answer? Is there good news to this story that Jesus, I mean, obviously Jesus, was great news for him because he said no, but we don't always say no. So here's what I want you to see, that there is good news in this whole shebang, and that is, are you ready? Okay, we have the exact same tools that Jesus had in this story to defeat the enemy, and that is the Holy Spirit and that scripture. Okay, if you look back, you see that the Spirit came to Jesus. He led him to this place. And then what did Jesus use every single time the enemy came to him? Scripture, right? The word of God. So listen, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, the moment you give your life to Jesus, the moment you say yes to him, I'm going to give all that I know of myself to all that I know of you, the moment you do that, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you have him. The Bible says you are sealed. The Holy Spirit seals you. You're not going anywhere. You have this. The same, the exact Holy Spirit that was inside of Jesus, leading him, guiding him, being with him during this time. Whoa, what a crazy awesome tool that we have, the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what Jesus had, and we have it. Praise the Lord. If you don't have it, hey, listen, come to know Jesus, and he'll come inside of you, and your life will forever be changed. Okay? The second thing we have is Scripture. Y'all. Jesus was, like, so perfect, (laughs) obviously. But, like, he used scripture every single time the enemy came and tempted him. All right? And that's what I want to get to that point where I can do, where I can recognize it's the enemy attacking me and say, "Uh uh-uh, this is a physical temptation. I ain't going to let you attack me today. Let me tell you why. The Bible says, you know, I want to be able to do that. Like, this is Powerful. I want you to look at two verses, okay. One is Hebrews four twelve. It says, "For the word of God is alive and powerful." Okay, it is alive and powerful. This thing right here, that seems like an inanimate object to you, is really alive and powerful. Once you read it, like I don't get it. It's a mystery. But it is beautiful. It becomes alive if you read it. Has anybody ever experienced that? So cool, right? All right, let's keep reading. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This word is just like incredible, and we are stupid not to use it. Right? Like these literally are God's words to us, and He's saying we can use it to fight the enemy. Look at Ephesians 6. Okay? We're going to have that on the screen too. This is right where, um, you know, in Ephesians, where it talks about the armor of God, how we can stand firm against the enemy. That's a really good chapter to read. If you've never read it, write that down, Ephesians 6, and go read it later, because it says we can put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth, the shoes of peace. I don't know if I'm missing anything. But it says, verse 17, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay? We have this sword, which if you've ever studied the armor of God, but like the sword is the only offensive weapon of the armor. The rest are defensive. It's like allowing you to stand firm and like hold your ground and protect you. What is this? It's like a weapon, right? This is what we can use to attack the enemy. This is powerful. We cannot forsake what God has graciously given us. Listen, if you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll get you a Bible. If you have an out, not an outdated one, but maybe an older one that you don't understand and you need a newer version to help you understand, let us know. We will get you a new one. Listen, if you don't have someone who can help hold you accountable to be in the Word on a consistent basis, find someone, okay? Talk to someone. Get in a D group. Get into a Bible fellowship class. Get into a relationship with someone and say, hey, listen, will you ask me what I'm learning in the Word or if I've read the Word this week? You know, there's times where I text my D group at night, and let's say it's 11 o'clock at night, and I'll be like, I don't really feel like it, you guys. I'm so tired. I've had a long day. And you know what? Every time they say to me, do it. Get over yourself. Like, life's not about you. You need this. And any time you get in the Word, you come away refreshed, and you feel like you're, um, you're, you've got the what you need. I don't know the word, but you got it. You know, you got what you need to combat anything, especially the enemy. This is powerful. So if you're not in the Word daily, hey, this is the key to temptation right here. The Spirit living inside of you and the Word of God is your key to fighting temptation just like Jesus did. Isn't that so cool that Jesus provided us everything that he had to fight the enemy with in this Matthew chapter 4? I think so too. I think it's so cool. Um, hey, one thing, one thing that would be really cool for you to do if you want to do like a little more study would be to go through this Matthew chapter 4 and look at Jesus' responses to the enemy and mark in your Bible or like make note of when the Word of God was used as an offensive weapon and when it was used also as a defensive weapon, okay? Because God's Word can, like, make you stand firm. But also, God's Word can be like, wow, that would be a cool study for you to do if you have nothing to study in God's Word. There you go. You can start with that. Um, Hey, I'm going to invite the band back up. But don't close your Bibles because I have one more verse that I want us to look at, okay? Um. And this is so encouraging. Look at verse 17. I mean verse 11. (laughs) Verse 11, and then we'll go to 17. Verse 11 says what? The angels, the devil went away. Praise God, the devil went away, right? And angels came and took care of Jesus. Some versions said the angels came and ministered to Jesus. Hey, I want you to know that, like, God is going to bless you if you say no to temptation. Okay? He's going to bless you. And let me tell you, you may not, like, think that he sees, but he sees. Like, when you say no to the enemy and you tell him to get away, And you, like, give him scripture, and you go the other way and flee? God sees that. He loves you. You know, I told you I'm doing this whole 30 meal plan diet, whatever thing. And me and my sister and my brother-in-law are doing it together. They live in Boston. So how we're doing it together is basically she's sending me meal plans. She's sending me grocery lists. She's making it as simple as possible for me, which is great. And, um, And then we text each other, like, several times a day. And most of the time, my brother sends me these gifts that are like, oh, do I have to today, you know, or like 17 meals down, only 500 more to go, or, you know, stupid stuff. And my sister is like super encouraging and sweet. And we send each other these pictures of our food, you know, like this is what I'm having for lunch today. Well, here's what I was thinking. Like, at the end of a day, I was thinking, wouldn't it be, more rewarding for me if I took a picture of everything I said no to and sent it to her and said, look what I've said no to today. Now you should be proud of me. Not look at what I ate, but look at what I didn't eat. I could have had this. I could have had that. I could have had this. I could have had that. But I said no, you know. Like that would make me feel better about myself because, man, you say no to a lot when you're doing this thing, you know. But I was thinking how that's the same thing that can apply to our lives with temptation, You know, nobody knows when you say no to temptation. Like, nobody sees it. Um, When you decide not to look at that thing online that you want that physical pleasure from and you say no, nobody sees that. No one's going to pat you on the back for that, right? Like, nobody's going to see if you uh, decide to honor your girlfriend or your mother or your father or whoever it is, and you decide not to be tempted to hurt them or manipulate them. No one's going to know that you almost did that, but you didn't. But here's the thing. God sees it, and he blesses you for it. Here Jesus was. Just think. He was tired. He was exhausted. He had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, right? He just went through this battle with the enemy. And what does God do? He sends his angels to take care of him and to minister to him. And i just love to imagine what that would look like. I don't know what that looked like, but I'm sure it was beautiful and refreshing. I wonder if that included, like, a feast. (laughs) Like, the angels provided all these, like, chicken legs and chocolate cake and I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure Jesus is hungry. (laughs) I'm kind of hungry as we talk about it. but um, God sees. He's going to take care of you. All right, you ready? I want you to look at verse 17. This is so cool. Basically, what do you see in verse 17? From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom, of he- the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The next paragraph, it says that the disciples were called. Like, he starts picking his disciples. Man, this thing's about to explode. And then the next, in verse 23, that next paragraph... It says, Jesus ministers to great crowds. So here he is. Now he's starting to teach. Now he's starting to preach. Now he's starting to, like, perform miracles. Like, Jesus' ministry has officially begun. Like, it's the real deal. Because he, like, listen, he wasn't playing around. He had his eyes on the mission, which was me, and the mission was you. Like he loved you and he died for you and that was his mission. The cross was where he was headed. So he could ultimately three days later raise from the dead so that we could have victory through that. That blows my mind. That's where Jesus' mind was headed. That's, that, he was on mission. Because, hey, listen, when you say no to the enemy, there's so much victory in that. And that's where I see where our ministry is, guys. I see God's working and bubbling some stuff up on UNG's campus, here at Blackshear Place Christ Place, here in our ministry. Like, God is working and bubbling, but I want to warn you. Hey, everybody look at me. This is one of my new favorite expressions. Don't step into stupid. If one of you goes down because of some stupid sin, that you just can't get over, you are threatening that all of us could go down with you. Okay? Like one sin can be toxic, and we could all go down. Now, is it possible? Absolutely. Is that going to happen? I pray not. But listen, I don't want to be the one that steps into stupid. That's why I have a D group. That's why I have girls making sure that I'm in the Word. That's why I have girls asking me questions about my sin and my junk. Because I can't, I can't do this on my own. And the Lord knows that. And that's why he gave us each other. That's why he gave us his spirit. That's why he gave us his word. And that's why we got to take advantage of it. And so listen, don't step into stupid. Don't give into these temptations that the enemy are throwing at us. Because we are on a mission, you guys. Like we have somewhere to go. The future is bright. This campus over here is lost. Like they're going to hell. Like they don't know Jesus. And we've got work to do, okay? So tonight, here's my challenge. I've got, got, like, just a few things I want to challenge you with. Listen, if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, you want to have a relationship with him, maybe you don't even understand all of it, but you just know you need Jesus, come talk to me after. I want to talk to you about Jesus. I love to talk about Jesus because we've been talking about him for a while. Sorry. Hey, listen, I want you to know Jesus. He will change your life. And once you give your life to him, you will go from death to life here on earth. And you will have eternal life with him forever in heaven. Woo, I can't wait. Listen, some of you may just be exhausted. You're exhausted from the temptations. Like maybe you've been fighting as much as you can, but you're just tired of fighting the same temptation over and over and over again. And you've realized tonight the Holy Spirit has convicted you that you've not been in the Word like you should be. You're not using the resources, the Spirit and Scriptures like you should be to combat, you know, these stupid temptations the enemy are throwing your way. And if that's the case tonight, I want you to talk to the Lord. And I want you to really repent from not being in the Word like you should. And I want you to recommit your time in the Word with Him. Okay? I've done that so many times on a Tuesday night. Come to this altar and been like, Lord, I haven't been in the Word. Please forgive me tonight. Tonight I'm going to get in the Word and I'm going to start being consistent in the Word. Make that happen for you if that's where you're at. And there's some of you that you're, 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 you've you're already stepped into stupid. Like you know it. Like you've been walking in temptation and it's just been like you're just kind of dragging through it and you're dragging people with you. And tonight, you need to say, I'm stopping. Tonight, I'm repenting. I'm saying, Jesus, repent means turning the opposite way and going the different direction. And so that's what you're going to say, Jesus, please forgive me. I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to get in your word, and I want to turn away from the enemy and turn towards you and walk towards you. Tonight, the altar's open if you want to do that. Hey, the rest of you guys, I want you to pray for our ministry. Pray for where we're headed. Pray that we would have clear vision. Pray that we would have hearts for him on that campus and in this place. Let's pray. Jesus, we give this time to you as we respond to your word. Lord, we thank you for your perfect example. We thank you for your word, the scriptures, and how it guides us and how it protects us and how we can use it as a weapon. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and you would be glorified during this time. Jesus, if there's anybody in this room that does not know you, I pray that you would fill them with boldness and courage and restlessness to talk to someone tonight to get their salvation correct and come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. So Lord, we give this time to you and we thank you for it in your name.